premium subscriptions coming to Apple Podcasts. Here are my initial thoughts. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. Apple hosted a new announcement event on April 20th, 2021, with some exciting announcements about hardware and other things, but they gave a couple minutes to talk about new features coming to Apple Podcasts. In those couple minutes, they shared information that is rattling the podcasting industry right now, and I think has some really good implications, some couple concerns with it, of course, but a lot more that in what you're about to hear in a live stream that I hosted on YouTube and on Clubhouse, I and some others explored this and discussed things. So what you're going to hear may not all be correct because these are our initial thoughts. But nonetheless, I'd love to hear your feedback, your questions, your comments. So comment on this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com and any links that I can provide for more information will be in the show notes to tap or swipe away or on the website at theaudacitypodcast.com. Now, here is that live stream. Let me describe what Apple's biggest announcement was. I disagree with some of the headlines that they've used. Like they're using headlines saying Apple leads the next chapter of podcasting with Apple Podcast subscriptions. I would actually say, no, they're leading the next chapter of Apple Podcasts with Apple Podcast subscriptions. And in the pre-produced video, Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, said that Apple helped launch podcasts 15 years ago. And Apple didn't help launch it. They certainly helped grow podcasts. And we do owe a lot to Apple because of when they included podcasts in iTunes 4.9 in 2005, that was huge for the industry because before then, consuming podcasts was extremely difficult. But now it's gotten a lot better. And there are so many other options that are also better and designed for different types of uses and such. Those headlines aside, there are some really cool things about this. So Apple Podcast Subscriptions is going to allow you, as a podcaster, for people to subscribe to your podcast. Now, there's the first thing that I think is going to create some confusion for some people, but maybe help the general population who aren't as familiar with podcasts. We've known for a little while that the iOS 14.5 beta has changed the language for what you do when you want to get episodes automatically from a podcast. Previously, we would say subscribe to the podcast, and that was the word inside of Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the podcast. It's changing to follow, and other apps use the word follow, like Spotify especially was the most prominent app to use the word follow instead of subscribe, which does make it a little confusing for us to say follow the podcast on this platform, subscribe here. But there has been some research that suggests that when people hear the word subscribe, now this might not be for you or me, but when people hear the word subscribe, they're thinking pay to subscribe. Like you subscribe to Netflix, you subscribe to Amazon Prime, you subscribe to this, you subscribe to that. You're paying for these subscriptions. So changing the language from subscribe to follow. I think is going to help the industry. That's a good move. Yes, it will be a little bit confusing because we're going to have to say, follow the podcast in iTunes. No, no, I don't mean iTunes. I mean Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe. No, I mean follow, although you can subscribe because you can now pay for the subscription to get some extra stuff from us, or you can just follow us for free. It's going to be a little bit confusing, the transition. Transitions are like that. That's going to happen. So I think we need to be okay with that. And I generally like this because when people hear the word follow, I think there's a much more friendly association with that, that if you follow something, you're following for free. Like you follow someone on Twitter, you follow someone on Facebook, you, well, right now you still subscribe on YouTube, but on Twitch, this is something else I noticed recently. I was a little confused because I'm approaching this from the perspective of you subscribe to podcasts for free. On Twitch, I would see where it would say, subscribe at this price or follow. And that is a place, I don't know how long Twitch has done that because I haven't really followed the Twitch space for very long or very closely. But on Twitch, they have follow that you can do for free. So you follow that channel and then you can also subscribe to the channel where you are actually paying the creator in some way. I'm not completely sure how that all works, but I do see that follow and subscribe being used 
simultaneously there on that platform. So I think this change is a good change. Now, what I'm going to do, uh, we're live on Clubhouse and on YouTube, and anyone who wants to is welcome to come up and share their thoughts. I'm going to try and keep this conversation segmented. So right now, if you have some thoughts on this change from subscribing to following, feel free to raise your hand on Clubhouse. Tanner, welcome. Well, at first, I thought it was kind of a cool thing to do. I'm glad they did it. I think it's more in line. Uh, But now in retrospect, it seems silly that they did it (laughs) because now they're causing more confusion. So they must have made the decision knowing this was coming and yet didn't see how that sudden change and then the reintroduction of the subscribe button, which I assume would be coming, denote between follow and subscribe, that that would cause some, maybe they should have done it all at once instead of one so before the other. Yeah. Well, I feel like they are doing it all at once where they're changing subscribe to follow and also redefining what subscribe is. And that's where I think there will be some confusion because everyone who's been saying subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, now people are going to say, well, there is no subscribe or wait, it costs to subscribe to you in Apple Podcasts, depending on how the podcaster has set this up. Yeah, overall, I'm happy about the change and I'm, I'm pumped about the monetization, but I know you're segmenting, so I won't jump in yet. I think that there's not a whole lot to discuss on just the term change. I think we can all agree that something that makes people understand what they're getting is good. And if it helps the general population to understand podcasts and how to get them for free, since most of them will remain free, I think that's generally a good thing. So we can move on from that. And by the way, side note to this is with the change to saying follow instead of subscribe, I think that other apps will start following suit. We already see in Spotify, it's follow. On Twitch, you follow. On social networks, we've seen the word follow since forever. So I think we'll see more and more podcast apps switch to saying follow. So I really suggest that we as podcasters also change to saying follow. And when I saw that this change was being made, I rushed a new feature that I wanted to do from mypodcastreviews.com, a new feature that will help you get more previously known as subscribers, now known as followers for your podcast, because the word subscribe gave me grammatical problems. I wanted a domain like subscribe to my podcast that gets too long, something like that. So now there's followthepodcast.com. Check it out. Go to followthepodcast.com. Gives you a demonstration and overview of that new feature that's added to my podcast reviews. So my podcast reviews helps you see all of your reviews, engage with your audience, helps you get more reviews with the lovethepodcast.com page, and now helps you get more followers for your podcast with the followthepodcast.com page that you get. And it's all included with your account, all of those features. Mark, I'll bring you on too to share your thoughts. I was just curious what you would be paying for, what your understanding of when it gets to the point where you pay for something, what are you paying for? So this new thing is Apple Podcast Subscriptions. And I want to read from their press release on apple.com. They say, Apple leads the next chapter of podcasting with Apple Podcast Subscriptions. Major updates to Apple Podcasts make discovering and enjoying podcasts better than ever before. Starting in May, listeners in more than 170 countries, there are 175 countries currently that have Apple Podcasts, and regions can sign up for premium subscriptions that include a variety of benefits curated by creators. Now, whenever they say creators, that's you, the podcaster. You're the creator in this case. So you get to decide what these benefits are for your audience. And as a podcast follower, you can see what benefits your favorite podcasts offer if they offer paid subscriptions or premium subscriptions. Uh, It continues, it says, such as ad-free listening, access to additional content, and early or exclusive access to new series. Listeners will be able to enjoy premium subscriptions from independent voices and premier studios. So that is, that's the main big announcement, and a lot of people raving about that. Some details about this, and then I can bring some others on or others can unmute who are already on the panel. Apple Podcast subscriptions will be available to listeners in over 170 countries and regions in May. That's probably with the releases of iOS 14.5, is my guess. Specific software requirements for Apple Podcast subscriptions and channels will be shared ahead of availability. Apple Podcasts, as an app, is available on iOS, iPadOS, newer versions of macOS, and Apple TV, and some smart speakers. I'm not sure how many features they'll bring to the smart speakers. There is still iTunes 
on older versions of macOS and on Windows. There have been some rumors that it looks like Apple is splitting out iTunes into separate apps on Windows like they did on Mac. Older macOS versions are probably not going to be touched, so it will still be iTunes on older macOS versions, but it's currently still iTunes on Windows. That will probably change. Of all of the platforms that Apple Podcast supports, the one that's still missing is Android. And for years, I've been expecting and predicting that Apple would release Apple Podcasts for Android. Now it makes financial sense for them to do so because they will earn from everyone who used the Apple Podcasters program, which is what you have to subscribe to as the creator for $19.99 a year. That's $19.99 per year, U.S. dollars to be part of that program and then to be able to offer Apple Podcasts subscriptions. Continuing on reading here, pricing for each subscription is set by creators and billed monthly by default. Creators can additionally offer annual billing, which subscribers can manage from their Apple ID account settings now accessible from Listen Now. Listeners will also be able to access free trials and sample episodes offered by creators. Through family sharing, up to six family members can share a subscription. That's cool. Listeners will be able to access the enhanced search tab with top charts and categories. That's talking about the new Apple Podcasts app. The Apple Podcasters program, which includes all of the tools needed to offer premium subscriptions on Apple Podcasts, is available to creators in over 170 countries and regions for $19.99 per year. Creators can enroll in the Apple Podcasters program today through Apple Podcasts Connect. If you go to Apple Podcast Connect and you don't see that option yet, it will probably be there soon. Last time I checked and I'll refresh my Apple Podcast Connect page again, I didn't see anything about it. Yeah, not yet. So that's probably coming very soon. And then Apple Podcast features more than 2 million free shows and is available for free on iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, Mac, Apple Watch, Apple TV, HomePod, Mini, CarPlay, iTunes on Windows, and other smart speakers and car systems. They have this feature coming that you will be able to charge for stuff. Now, I know a big thought is, well, what makes this different from Patreon, Supercast, Glow.fm, all of these other things that you could do? What makes this different is it's from Apple, and it's built into the podcast app. That is big, and you're paying extra for the convenience. And what I mean by paying extra is you're paying that $19.99 per year to be able to be part of the Apple Podcasters program, to be able to have these subscriptions. You're also paying a fee for each person who subscribes to your podcast. Subscribing now mean that they're paying for your podcast if you offer that option for them to subscribe, to pay to subscribe to your podcast. This is going to get really confusing with these terms. And the way that that fee structure works, it's in their terms, is that it's 30% for the first year, and after that, it's 15%. I think that's better than what I originally expected. A few years ago, I predicted that it would be 30% just across the board, because that's what they do for the Apple Developers Program. For the Developers Program, if you have an app in the Apple App Store, it costs $100 a year for the developer license, and then if you charge for that app or have in-app purchases or subscriptions with that app, Apple would take 30% of that. That's the way it was up until I think 2020 was when they changed it for developers who make under a certain portion. And maybe it's even like the the tax program where the first amount that you receive within this bracket is charged at a smaller percentage. And I think that is for developers, if you're making under $1 million per year from your app, then you only pay Apple 15% for the fees. I think that with their having this switch where it's 30% for the first year, 15% for the next year. I think that's fair. Now you compare that to something like Patreon. Patreon charges 5 to 12%, depending on which product that you want to use with Patreon. And that's 5 to 12%, 5, 8, and 12% are their different levels for light, pro, and premium, respectively. That is in addition to the payment processing fees which are usually 2.9% plus 30 cents per transaction. If we look at this from the highest fee on Patreon, you're paying 12% from Patreon, 2.9% with your credit card processing fees, 30 cents per transaction. It's about 15% with the highest level of what you can get from Patreon. 
Now that's on Patreon. So you have to tell people go to Patreon, which I don't recommend you ever tell anyone to go to Patreon because then you're using a brand name and you're tying yourself to that brand name. So instead you tell them visit myawesomepodcast.com or whatever your podcast domain is slash support slash hero slash join slash sponsor slash member slash whatever term you want to use. You use that to describe it and that can link to it. But then you have to set up that stuff. You have to link to it. You manage it in two separate places. So what Apple is doing here is they're giving you a convenience, both for you and for your audience. Instead of your telling your audience, go to this website, do this thing, then you have to resubscribe to this feed or all of that stuff. Apple is tying all of that into the Apple Podcast app, making this a much more unified experience for you and for your audience. So you would manage this exclusive content through the Podcast Connect website and the Apple Podcasters program that you're subscribing to for about $20 a year is where you manage all of that content. I guess that's where you also upload alternative versions of your episodes because one of the features they said you'll be able to offer would be ad-free listening to your audience where you could tell your audience subscribe for $5 a month and you get ad-free versions of our show, which is cool. And some people might want to do that. And I think this is a much, much better approach than Netflix of podcasting approach where you pay a monthly subscription and you get access to all of these podcasts. I really don't see that working for podcasts because podcasts are a bottom-up, a grassroots development of this new media, not a top-down approach like Netflix and Hulu and all of these other places have been. I think listeners to podcasts are probably more interested in supporting the creators than subscribing to some company to get access to stuff. But anyway, back to what I was saying. If you're making an ad-free version, that means you have to have two versions of your episodes, the version with the ads and the version without the ads. How this ties in with dynamically inserted ads, I don't know, but most likely it's going to be something where you have your normal RSS feed that you're giving Apple, and that has whatever episodes you normally put out with your ads that are either baked in or dynamically inserted uh, or even programmatically dynamically inserted. And then on Apple you would have the ability to override a particular episode's media file so that you could include that version that has no dynamically inserted ads, no ads baked in or anything like that. An odd thing with that, though, is that would mean the download stats would probably not be tracked by your hosting provider unless Apple says something. Well, it really depends. Where are you uploading your ad-free version? If you're uploading your ad-free version to your hosting provider, That means you need twice as much hosting upload space, not download space, because someone who subscribes to your podcast, the paid version, would be getting those paid for episodes instead of your free episodes. So I think the bandwidth usage would be the same, but upload usage would be different. So it'll be interesting to see how the upload capped providers like Libsyn and Blueberry work with this. Buzzsprout, I think, is also upload capped as opposed to the download capped or download limited providers like Captivate, for whom I'm an advisor, and some of these other places. Uh, Spreaker is also download capped, I think. Or no, Spreaker's a little bit different. But some places are download capped where you pay based on how many downloads you get. You don't pay based on how many uploads you make. Alternative versions of your episodes. Uh, access to additional content, early access for an exclusive access to new series and stuff. It sounds like, and we've been discussing this in some other podcasting industry circles, it sounds like there are going to be ways that they can enhance your RSS feed. So that opens up a new question. Is this only for Apple Podcasts? But before I move on to that, uh, Tanner, Mark, anyone in the chat room, anyone on uh, Clubhouse or in the chat room, you're welcome to chime in. Any questions, anything you want to point out that you've noticed? Tanner, what do you think? Oh boy, Daniel. Uh <laughs> You have just, like, as a person with ADHD, I'm sitting here like, don't forget these six things you just thought of as Daniel was talking. I think that this is like, this is a podcasting domination move, what they've done. And I don't know that anybody's realized it yet because it's only just happened. First of all, when we go and we list our podcasts on Google Podcasts, the reason we do that, or Spotify, the reason we do that is because there are users out there that don't have Apple Podcasts, right? First and primary is Apple Podcasts. That's where everybody goes. 
that's the place that popularized podcasts. I agree with you that they're using a strange wording there to say they launched it. That's very unfair to the people who actually did create what we call podcasting. I think that's unfair and good on you for pointing that out. Uh, but that notwithstanding, they popularized it. And they're the forefathers, let's say, of the medium as we know it today. Also, they have access to this entire infrastructure of payment systems. I mean, they have their own bank card now, for goodness sake. The reduction of friction in the funnel between free listener to paid listener is now almost non-existent yeah. to anybody who uses an Apple device. So they're, they're the primary place that most anybody who would pay for a podcast is going to be using it. The most likely users to convert on in-app purchases for things like, I mean, just through the roof on iOS devices, Apple in general is really good at reducing the friction in that funnel for people to make impulse purchases. So that's going to be huge. And, you know, you talk about ad-free versions of podcasts versus ad-free version versus uh, ad-present versions. And it's like, well, what's stopping Apple Podcasts from doing dynamic ad insertion themselves? Mm -hmm. Why couldn't they do it? And then the last thing, because I don't want to prognosticate too much here. I want, I want to have some time to think about this the same as you've had some time to think about it, Daniel. But the number one thing that makes podcasts difficult to monetize and the reason that ad insertion is even a thing that we all aspire to have enough listeners to make that make enough financial sense for us to really put in the work to grow the kinds of numbers we need to make a full-time living as a job doing podcasting strictly off ad revenue is because the conversion rate for podcast uh, free listeners, subscribers, like one to 3%, usually yeah. sub 1% for most of us. And the reason it's so low is because podcasts are free. Well, if the granddaddy of podcasting as we know it has just created an environment where they don't have to be, they've made it more likely that more podcasts will not be free. And I think that that will impact that uh, conversion rate. And I think it will increase it and make paid podcasting, paid podcast listening, I should say, more normalized in the podcast environment. And I think that for creators, that's good. So I'm very excited about this. I don't know if I could say enough. Yeah, I totally agree that for the industry, this does certainly make a lot of things easier for us. And the, the whole ad approach for the Audacity to Podcast, yes, I had some sponsors in my very early days for my own podcast, the Audacity to Podcast, a podcast about podcasting in case you're not familiar with it. More recently in, in the last few years. Now, I haven't been very active with that podcast due to life, but I've often said I can't afford to have a sponsor for that podcast because a sponsor would pay a certain amount per thousand downloads per episode. And looking at my latest episode, which I released almost a month ago, again, I'm, I've not been able to be very consistent. And so I've lost a lot of subscribers, but my latest episode published on March 27th received 2,700 downloads according to Blueberry's stats up to this date. So I have 27 hundred downloaders for that episode. If every one of those could be monetized via sponsorship, via like a $25 CPM rate, then that would be a little more than $50 per episode, closer to about $60 per episode. That's just not worth it to me. But through the products and services that I create to help podcasters, like my podcast reviews and other things that I create, WordPress plugins and courses and things, those things the business that I run is providing a full-time income for me. Even now when I'm a full-time single daddy to a toddler, the business is providing for me far better than a podcast sponsor could have. And so this opportunity now for you to charge for people to subscribe to your podcast within the podcast app that they're using with Apple Podcasts, this is great for you because it makes it much easier for you. It makes it much easier for your audience. And it means you don't have to sell your audience to a sponsor. Instead, your audience can buy you. You become yeah. the product. Your podcast becomes the product. Your audience is the customers. You have a direct to audience relationship with them, which I think is so much better, so much more respectful too. I know this is kind of a, a very harsh way of saying this, but instead of selling your audience to someone else, I, I like this. 14.5, right? That's supposed to be this month. I think it's supposed to hit before April. The changes that Facebook ads has made to adjust for the privacy things that 14.5 uh, will limit in Facebook pixel tracking. And now hearing about this and the Apple creator program and this $20 a month, are we about to gain the ability to put a Facebook pixel on the Apple side of things to actually finally understand our demographics. 
wouldn't that be killer? That would be interesting, but I don't think Apple would allow that. There are some things in the Podcasting 2.0 initiative, which I think is the truly next chapter of podcasting. Um, there are some things there to potentially offer some better uh, demographic tracking and some other stuff while still respecting privacy. But I just don't see Apple playing either of those or incorporating either of those into podcasts, whether that be pixel tracking or the podcasting 2.0 spec for this kind of stuff that we're trying to build in. I just wanted to throw in there um, the whole uh, the dynamic ad insertion thing. You almost wonder if, because like in your lead up to this, Daniel, you said, um, you know, you, you talked about, uh, do we need, do podcasters need to have two RSS feeds now, one with, so they can submit a, an episode with ads and then one without ads and how would that work? I almost wonder if, Companies like Apple don't just think of things on the fly, right? They've got things, you know, they know what's going on. You know, Tim Cook knows what's going on, what they're planning to do a year from now. So you almost wonder if that's like, they're just kind of like, okay, let's get this started. And then at some point they're going to say, oh, now we're doing dynamic ad insertion, like Apple's doing it. And what if they stop allowing third-party apps to scrape, to build out their and like Overcast lives off yeah. of the podcast store. What happens yeah. if a change comes that gets rid of that? Yeah, that's definitely a big concern among many people. I don't think it has as much legitimacy to the rumors. There are certain things I can't talk about with that, but I don't think that's going to happen for a while. It could happen someday, yes, but I don't think it'll happen for a while. I also see Brendan joined us. Well, so I've got a couple of thoughts. I just signed up for the Apple Podcasters program, gave them my 20 bucks and all of that jazz. It reminds me a lot of the Apple developer program. And it really feels like that is how, how that is. But when you were talking about how the ads work or how ads work in general versus your own business, I think that this is going to further drive down the CPM rate of podcast ads. Because as your most engaged listeners get a feed without ads, those are the people who are going to buy what you tell them to buy. And if they never hear that ad, they're never going to go to Casper and buy a new mattress. So Casper says, oh, yeah, the conversion rate's not as good as it used to be. We're going to require more downloads for that same amount of money. This is a shot across the bow at podcast advertising, although I don't think people realize that yet. I think that based on just how like Patreon and Supercast and those other sites work, I think Apple will give you, and, part, and this is, I'm sure this is part of the reason they are saying it's a $20 fee. Apple's going to give you a place to go upload your ad-free episode and to upload your additional content. And the people on those tiers will get access to it. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping as a podcast listener that the Apple podcast app will be smart enough to say, oh, he subscribed to this podcast, so he gets this episode. Because I subscribe to a lot of podcasts on Patreon that I never put the ad-free feed or the early access feed in Overcast because it's just a pain in the butt to go and get that feed and put it in there. And so I'm really hoping that Apple just takes all of this friction out of there because they can, because they're first party. But I'm really interested just to see, I mean, just signing up for the podcasters program was friction-free. I can't imagine the conversion rates to your subscription programs will go down. If anything, I, they're, they're going to go up because of how little friction Apple Pay has for things. So I think this will be a big change for podcasts in the fact that it's changing the culture of podcasting and the listener behavior and podcaster behavior. So this is going to be an interesting uh, future that we get to participate in and play along with. For what it's worth, I think Brandon is 100% on the money, Daniel. I think he's shot across the bow is exactly the way to describe this. It's a big move. Yeah, there are so many podcasts the big podcasts, we're talking, you know, millions of downloads per episode that make their money from advertisers. But the whole advertising industry is going through some interesting transitions with the whole privacy stuff, initiatives and privacy respecting and, and blocking in certain areas and such. How that plays in with podcasting will be interesting to see in the coming years. I'm not so sure I would say it's an aggressive move against advertising. I think it can be complimentary or another option because now I, I received check your email if you've got a podcast in apple podcast they sent out an email just about 15 20 minutes ago with more details in this as well and links to their page where they talk about the apple podcasters program 
And on here, they do say, I said something incorrectly earlier about the the revenue share. It's not based on how long you use the Apple Podcasters program, but it's based on how long your subscribers stay in. So this is what it says. With Apple Podcast subscriptions, you receive 70% of the subscription price at each billing cycle, minus applicable taxes, after a subscriber accumulates one year of paid service, your net revenue increases to 85% of the subscription price minus applicable taxes. Your other podcast revenue, including any ads, will stay 100% yours. So if you're having to upload a separate version to Apple or to your podcast hosting provider, and you keep the ads inside of that for whatever reason, then you're going to have to add those two statistics together in order to bill your advertisers, assuming that you're billing based on how many downloads those episodes get. So that can start to get complicated. Which encourages exclusivity. Exactly. Is what it's encouraging. And we don't like ads, Daniel. Like as creators, we never wanted to put them there. We put them there because we didn't have a choice to make any money. And now we've got a choice. And I think what this also really does is promotes the ability for you as a podcaster to use dynamic content insertion with your episodes like that uh, Captivate offers and several other podcast hosting providers offer. And don't think dynamic ad insertion. I regularly call it dynamic content insertion because you can use dynamic content insertion to insert any kind of content. It could be an announcement for a special event or a live stream that you have coming up. So you put that in all of your episodes. And then when that live stream happens, that content is then dynamically removed. It could be also, depending on the intelligence of the dynamic content insertion, it could be platform specific. So you could have in all of your episodes going through Apple Podcasts, where there's an ad for your own podcast subscription dynamically inserted. So you can say in there, thank you for listening on Apple Podcasts to subscribe to this podcast and receive whatever benefit it is you offer. Click the button below your screen or click whatever. You, so you can give very specific instructions because you know people who hear that ad are listening through Apple Podcasts. And then the dynamic content insertion would insert a different ad for everyone else where you can say to subscribe to this podcast, meaning pay to subscribe, go to this web address or sign up for this thing or whatever. So you can use the dynamic content insertion tools that your podcast hosting provider offers you to be able to better encourage and promote and more smartly promote this subscription program unless this is one of the other things that I wonder with this is right now this all sounds like it's going to be only Apple Podcasts. But uh, aside from the aspect that they probably will release an Android app for Apple Podcasts because now they have a financial reason to do so. Besides that fact, what about all of those subscribers everywhere else? How are they, sorry, followers everywhere else? This is going to be a harder transition for me than moving from iTunes to Apple Podcasts to say subscribers to followers. So all of those followers everywhere else, how can they become subscribers? Do they have to switch to Apple Podcasts, which I think most of us think that's going to be the way it is, but what if they didn't have to? That's the benefit that places like Supercast, Glow.fm, Patreon, and all of those things offer is that it works on everything. I think Apple does have a way. This is all purely conjecture on my part. This is not insider information. This is nothing they've announced, but I think that they'll have a way that you can offer this to people using other apps as well, that they'll be able to subscribe to your RSS feed. Now, exactly how that works in other apps, I'm not completely sure. Um, There could be some kind of IP relative information or, or something, but right now, this is the reason I'm thinking this. Right now, Apple already offers something that you can submit to other podcast apps. I do not recommend you use this, but they call it I think they call it a podcast mirror, where when you submit your podcast to Apple Podcasts, your RSS feed you've submitted to Apple Podcasts, they give you this podcast mirror URL, which the URL is usually something like pcr.apple.com slash ID, and then that ID number for your podcast and Apple Podcasts. That's a simple 302 redirect, which is a temporary redirect. So you can submit that kind of like you used to use FeedBurner or you might use Podcast Mirror, you can use that as a system so that you can easily change what your source RSS feed is. I do not recommend you do that, though, because if 
you ever say something that makes Apple discriminate against you and censor your podcast or kick it out of Apple Podcasts, that also breaks that podcast feed uh, redirect thing. So I do not recommend that you use it. But what if, and this is where this idea is coming from, Apple might want to use that as a way that you could get people on Overcast, for example, to still be able to subscribe to your podcast and add it to their preferred podcast app. So they manage their subscriptions through Apple Podcast, but they can follow that subscription. <sighs> Mine explode. They can follow that subscription through whatever other podcast app allows them to manually add an RSS feed. I could see that happening. Where Which means, which means they... They kill. This is a called shot, Daniel. I, I and I want to be right so bad because I've wanted this to happen for years. I think they bring the delivery in-house. Walled Garden kill RSS the same way they killed the headphone jack, and they make the first move to do that. I think it's way overdue, and I hope Apple does it. Well, just to clarify what you're saying, you're saying is instead of having a Libsyn, you mean you upload to Apple? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if they'll go that route. The The cost for such would be a drop in the bucket for Apple. But one of the things that they say in this email that they sent out uh, from Apple Podcasts, the subject line is introducing Apple Podcast subscriptions and more. They say, and I quote, additionally, you can now view and edit podcast metadata, schedule and manage show availability for each country and region and organize shows into channels right from the dashboard. So that podcast metadata, oh, that's a link. See, what are they? They're lining up the shot. It's the kill shot. It, what I think that they're doing is kind of like FeedBurner. Now, I think to my happiness, I think that I need to explain what FeedBurner has done because I hope that most podcasters come into the space not knowing about FeedBurner. FeedBurner was very popular in the very early days of podcasting when it wasn't very easy to make a podcast RSS feed because to turn an RSS feed into a podcast RSS feed, you need a couple extra tags. And then to make that feed work in Apple Podcasts, you need a lot more tags to it. FeedBurner provided a tool where you could take a feed from Blogger, for example, where you just post your blog post and you have an MP3 file linked inside of that blog post. FeedBurner could turn that into a valid podcast RSS feed. There are other benefits it provides too, like caching your feed, um, giving you a URL that you can use, and then you can change the source for that. There are a lot of other things that FeedBurner can do. But primarily, I do not recommend FeedBurner. Unless you absolutely need it, I do not recommend FeedBurner. Certainly, I don't recommend their SmartCast feature. I don't recommend you let them change your RSS feed at all. They might be updating some stuff soon. But anyway, what FeedBurner could basically do is add things to your RSS feed and enhance your RSS feed. That was the main purpose of it when it was created. I wonder if Apple is going to do something similar. Like they say that you can edit your podcast metadata, it sounds like there's going to be a way that you can augment your RSS feed with extra data from Apple Podcasts. So I don't think it's killing the RSS feed. It's changing things about it. Now, on their page where they say, update your podcast metadata, it says metadata is the information that describes your podcast. Some things like the title and author name you probably already know. Other things like description and category should be carefully considered from the perspective of a listener. Providing accurate metadata helps your show appear in relevant user searches and attracts listeners. How to update your metadata via RSS feed. You can change your podcast metadata at any time by updating your podcast details with your podcast hosting provider or updating the metadata tags in your RSS feed. So that is what we've done until now. Our system... Hey, Daniel, now it, something that I just noticed in there in the account having to do with metadata. So I'm looking at my podcast, Apple Podcasters account, and under details, there's a tab that says people. And I'm sure this is the, you know, how they've been letting certain podcasts feature who their guests are and who their people are. We can go in and put in this podcast has these people and put our headshots in there. And that's some of the metadata that I'm sure that Apple's like, this is what you can put in there now into your feed that you, that none of the other players are going to know how to deal with or even care about. Yeah. Here's the killer thing. And that's similar to what you're seeing, how to update your metadata in Apple podcast connect. If you created your show or episode in Apple podcast connect, you can edit the metadata in Apple podcast connect, select a show or click the episodes tab from your show page to select an episode, make your edits, click save. 
updates appear on Apple Podcasts within 24 hours. It sounds like that might be only for things that you create in Apple Podcast Connect, not in your RSS feed. Okay, I just dug into it a little bit deeper, and it's actually letting me, like adding people would let me put roles like admin legal mm-hmm. permissions in there as well. So you can have a team work in your podcast connect now. That's interesting. Yeah, that's very handy, especially being able to give other people access because the way that podcast connect works is it's tied to your Apple ID. And so if anyone else needed access, the only way to give them access would be give them screenshots or to give them access to your Apple ID. And side note, the terms of use for Apple Podcast Connect have not changed since January 29th, 2019, and they do still forbid systems from scraping uh, the data from Apple Podcast Connect about your podcast. That means that giving chartable your Apple Podcast information is still a violation of the Apple Podcast terms. Side note there. In the chat, I've got a few comments here I wanted to read. Geek Homeworld said, very interesting conversation. This gives me much to think about the future of podcasting. Content is always king. This approach, Apple, sounds like an attempt to build the Joe Rogan type. I hope my favorite podcasts don't get locked behind a paywall. I doubt they'll be completely locked. This will probably be like many people are using Patreon, where it's a way to get an ad-free version or bonus content. Like one of my favorite podcasts, That Story Show, it's a clean comedy podcast. They provide additional stories to their supporters that aren't included in the episodes. Or like Ask the Podcast Coach provides additional Q&A that they record live after the episode. But the only way you can hear that if you didn't catch it live is if you are a supporter and they use Patreon for that. Also, Baines Naughty Bits says, the question I have is, do I trust my podcast finances such as they are to a company that cannot maintain Podcast Connect being reliably up just because they have an announcement coming? Apple is not a company that treats podcasting with a great deal of reliability. I totally understand and appreciate the skepticism. I think this signals a change there because for years, people have been saying, Apple doesn't make money from podcasting. Why would Apple do this if they're not making money from podcasting? Because Apple has full-time staff who support Apple Podcasts, develop the app, support it, the backend, market, partner with people, and all of this stuff. So they are paying a lot, well, a lot to you and I. It's multiple full-time salaries, but to them, it's a drop in the bucket. I've often said that the reason Apple is so supportive of podcasts is because they love supporting creators and it gives them extra content, creative content on their platforms, just like how they give you iMovie for free on Apple devices and all of these other apps for free on these Apple devices because it's part of what makes their ecosystem great. And Apple Podcasts was just one of those. Now that they have a way to make money from it, the $20 a year, from podcasters who use this, which $20 a year, that's nothing to Apple. Realistically, it's probably $20 a year just to make sure that you and I are serious about it and not wasting Apple's time. Because when things are free, they tend to be abused. So $20 a year isn't much for them. But if thousands of podcasters sign up, that is a full-time salary right there for someone to manage this. And then the 30% and 15% that they'll be taking from these subscriptions I wonder if some point they'll just make it 15% across the board, not this one-year accumulated thing. So Apple is going to start making money from this, not from all of the 2 million plus podcasts in Apple Podcasts. If they're making money from it, and if they're helping people monetize with Apple's tools, I think that makes Apple Podcasts a much higher priority for them to maintain as well as to respect the privacy. I think of the companies out there who make products and services for people, Apple seems to be the one that respects your privacy the most with all of these things that they're doing. So I'm more likely to trust Apple than any other company. And one of the other things, and this affects maybe literally a handful of podcasters out there, When I, I'm not sure if everyone sees it, but when I log into my Podcast Connect account, I see an announcement across the top because this does affect me. Uh, Maybe that's the only reason I see this. It says, iTunes site manager is being decommissioned. At the end of May, all shows will migrate to the new Apple Podcast Connect. So it sounds like they're shutting off old systems and really focusing everything on Apple Podcast Connect. 
And thus, maybe it's because they've had to maintain these multiple systems in the past that there were some stability issues. So maybe this new system, especially since they're going to be making money from this and helping people to make money, maybe it's going to be a lot more reliable, a lot more stable. That's my hope. I also hope that they make this a lot easier to join because I don't know if you've run into this recently, but the process for actually submitting a podcast to Apple Podcasts is not as easy as it would seem. You don't simply make an account and submit your RSS feed. You have to go through this verification that if I've got this right, it's basically you make your Apple ID account, then you have to use iTunes or the App Store to add a credit card to your account, even though you're not charged for anything. The credit card is a way to verify your identity or verify that you're not just a bot or something like that. And then you can sign into Apple Podcast Connect in order to submit your podcast. I hope they simplify that. And it seems like they might be working on simplifying that if they haven't already. Because when I logged into my Apple Podcast Connect account today, it asked me something when I first logged in. It displayed the terms, which haven't been updated in two years. But it asked me to give my account a name. And it asked me whether my account was an individual account or a company account. It hasn't asked that before. And it said something about, about, actually, I took a screenshot of this. Let me tell you exactly what it said. It said, uh, set up account. We've linked your account in Apple Podcasts Connect to the Apple ID you use to log in. To finish setting everything up, give the account a name and let us know if this is an individual or a company account and agree to the terms of service. Again, terms of service haven't changed. So it had my Apple ID there. I wonder if that's a signal that they've already changed that whole verification process. And I see Jennifer Ebling wants to come on. So, well, Jennifer's jumping up. Go ahead. That, that portal looks very much, and I mentioned this before, just like the Apple developer account. And the whether you're a person or a company depends on whether you're giving them a social security number or an EIN yeah. for their verification and their payment and their tax forms that they have to fill out. And especially with the 70 and the 85% of your totals, very much feels like they are setting this up just like the Apple developer account so that they can pay you. Yeah, Apple Podcasts Connect has felt like it's been following the developer uh, connect platform um, a few years behind it. So what you see happening with developers probably makes its way to Apple Podcasts eventually. Jennifer, what's on your mind? Uh, Question for you about channels, how you see channels working. And also if you guys have explored it all where you go in Apple Podcasts Connect and it talks about agreements, tax, and banking. Wondering if you've set up any of those forms that are available now on Apple Podcast Connect. Yeah, so the channels thing, that's something really exciting too, that from the consumer side can be really interesting to help consumers find the right podcast for them. From the podcaster side, it sounds like anyone can on who's a podcaster with Apple Podcasts can create their own channels that can include other podcasts, either your own or something else. And you can even charge for those channels. Now, charging for a channel with multiple podcasts, not quite sure why someone would pay for that. But anyway, the coolest thing that you could do with this, for example, is you could make your own category of podcasts, just like you can do with Podchaser. So by the way, Apple doesn't always invent things, but they certainly innovate and improve on things. Don't think from anything that you hear that Apple has invented certain aspects, but they are certainly innovating and improving, I think. What you could do is, since I have a podcast about podcasting, I could create a channel that is what I think are the best podcasts about podcasting, and I can publish that inside of Apple Podcasts. That can be great, not only for the listeners, and maybe like my podcast page in Apple Podcasts, can link to that saying, here are the collections that I recommend, but it could also list here are all of the collections that this podcast is in. So I can provide more content to my audience. I wonder if that can even contribute to the search engine optimization of those podcasts. I don't know. I suspect it won't, except for this aspect. Whatever that collection is called, eventually, whenever that channel is available, Someone will be able to search for that by name, and thus all of the podcasts inside of that channel can be discovered by whatever that channel is called. Like if you have a TV show fan podcast, you can't name every TV show fan podcast the name of the TV show 
and just simply slap the word podcast on there. Sometimes there are some trademark issues that might come up with the studios. Some people get creative with their names, but all of those could be lumped into a channel with that TV show as the title. And thus, that could help your SEO. Brendan, what were you thinking? So you had a network uh, and that message that you read off, I'm assuming it's because you had your network page in the iTunes store back in the day. Yeah, site manager. To me, this seems such a simple way for a group of podcasts to build up themselves as a network without Apple really having to give them access to site manager or whatever the equivalent in podcasts connect is. We know the big guys, the NPRs and the Q codes and people like that, they're going to have a network page, I'm sure. But myself and 10 friends who we all run TV fan show podcasts, I've got a loose conglomeration of friends that we call ourselves the Geek Nerd Network. And we just cross promote each other on our shows. That's really all we do. But if I make a channel called Geek Nerd Network, then all of a sudden we can all put our shows in there. And it's a quick and easy way to have a, a network channel for all of our shows that have similar niches. This replaces that, not only replaces the network pages that, uh, that they used to have, it also kind of democratizes it so that Apple doesn't keep getting requests from Yahoo's like myself, who, you know, these are just hobby podcasts right there that have been put together who want a page, a network page. It's just something that anybody can do now. And I think that will help as well for all of these smaller networks that are starting to build up so they can cross promote and lump in ad sale numbers together. Uh, it's something that uh, it's a service that Apple is providing that will will make that better. And I wonder if they'll have some kind of anti-abuse measures built into this, where if you want to add a podcast to a particular channel, certainly, I hope they do this. I think they must do this if you're going to charge for a channel collection, whatever it is. But if you want to add a podcast to it, some way that that podcaster must accept that change. So they either email that podcaster through their Apple Podcasts associated email address or the feed. RSS feed email address to say, do you approve this? I really think they must do that if you're going to charge, because let's just be honest. Do you want someone else making money off of a channel that contains your podcast? I don't think that's really an ethical approach, but if you have to approve to be added to that, I can see that being better, or you're just making your own podcasts in a premium channel. The way that those channels work could really be interesting. Now, Something, a big caution, I teased this at the very beginning of the stream, is if you have used a podcast hosting provider that does not give you your own catalog listing or does not put your email address in your RSS feed, you need to change that immediately. Primarily, and there might be other providers who do this, but the primary two worst bottom of the barrel hosting providers who offer this are SoundCloud who I think is the absolute worst podcast hosting provider, and Anchor. SoundCloud's fault is they default to their own email address in your RSS feed. That's a simple option you can go switch. Anchor does the same thing. They default to their email address in your RSS feed, but you can switch that to your own email address. But what Anchor does that's actually worse than SoundCloud, SoundCloud's at the bottom of my list for other reasons, but what Anchor will do, you could accidentally bump this button and this happens, Anchor submits your podcast to Apple Podcasts and a few other places for you. And while you own your content, they will own your podcast listing in those places. Not your podcast, your listing, your directory listing. They will own it. There are some processes you can go through to reclaim ownership of that. And you can search the Anchor documentation for, I think if you just search for Apple Analytics, there's a page there that describes how to reclaim ownership of that. But this is extremely crucial. Make sure your email address, an email address you have access to, is in your RSS feed and make sure that your podcast is under your Apple ID or your own account on all of these separate platforms so that you can manage these things yourself. You can see your stats. You can manage any of these kind of subscription level features. You have the rights then to control everything and own your listing regardless of what other terms there are with the podcast hosting provider, make sure you own the listing and you own the email address associated with your podcast, or else you might miss out from some of these new features. By default, Anchor now does 
put in your email address as the owner in the oh, by RFS. default. Okay, that's great. By default, know. they do now because I'm, I'm assuming it's because they were tired of getting all the requests <laughs> to change it. Because yeah, you still have to go go to Apple and ask for a transfer, and then they give you a code, and then you have to go to Anchor and put the code in. It's it's a mess, so, but they do put your email address in there by default. Okay, great. Thank you very much for that correction. I really appreciate that. So I will change what I say there. A couple other things. I'm looking over the email to see if there was anything else. So the channels, I want to make sure that I describe these channels correctly. They say starting in early May, which is, again, probably when iOS 14.5 will be released, as well as the new versions, every, everything else that includes uh, that goes along with that. Starting in early May, channels and subscriptions will be available to anyone in the Apple beta software program. Oh, so maybe not with 14.5. This means they'll be able to view published shows, purchase subscriptions, and listen to subscriber audio. Learn more about the beta. Huh. This makes me wonder if it's going to be 14.6 instead of 14.5. Today, Apple released a release candidate for iOS 14.5 as well as macOS 11.3 and iPadOS 14.5, and that latest generation of all of their operating systems, release candidate, which signals usually that we're a couple weeks away from the final version being released. But that they say here, starting in early May, which is when I thought 14.5 would be released, they mentioned the beta program again, which really makes it sound like it will be 14.6 that will include the paid subscriptions and channels. That will be something interesting to follow. Although in today's presentation, they showed iOS 14.5. I don't think they ever specifically said iOS 14.5, but they might have just said next version of iOS. So they could be referring to 14.5, but still that's interesting caveat there. And it sounds like looking at this information about creating a channel, they're describing things that sound like you're creating an RSS feed says in Apple Podcast Connect, click the add button, you add a channel name, logo, image, background, color, that's cool, an icon, a description, you add shows, add a subscription, which is optional for them to pay for it, and then you save it. Hey, Daniel, if you go to the apple.com newsroom, they have pictures of the different aspects that they're going to be releasing. It shows you what the channel page looks like. It shows you what the show page will look like, and it will show you how you're going to upload your show information. It looks like we have to re-upload everything about our shows here. So I'm looking, is that in the press release, Apple leads the next chapter? Yeah, 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 that's it. And what I was looking at was there's that first image, it says introducing Apple podcast subscriptions, and then it says analyze, promote, and grow. And right under that, you can see the dot for the carousel or the slider or whatever, and you can just click on them and it walks you through, I think, what these screens are going to look like. Oh, I completely missed that it was a carousel. I was scrolling up and down the page. Yeah, so I see what you mean. It's uh, the big page, if anyone else is looking along, it's where you see the screenshot of introducing Apple Podcast subscriptions. Yeah, okay, I see. Huh, that's interesting. I like that they give you a little, it seems like they give you a little bit more branding options here. Speaking of screenshots, though, something I noticed on the top screenshot of this press release. So they show three screenshots of Apple Podcasts on an iPhone. I'm sorry if this doesn't make sense what I'm about to say, but the middle screenshot is what's standing out to me because it mentions Luminary. Luminary is a separate podcast app, separate podcast service. It is trying to be a Netflix of podcasts. So it looks like, and this could make Luminary finally profitable. They've been losing money a lot. It looks like what Luminary might be looking to do is creating a channel. So this is probably more what the subscribing to channels is for, is if you want to offer exclusive shows. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So even though they're saying Luminary, I think we could replace that with the name of anything else, anyone else. It's not like Luminary is now integrated into Apple Podcasts. It's probably Luminary is going to add their exclusive shows to Apple Podcasts and you can get them by subscribing to this channel because underneath the button, it says, try well, the button says, try Luminary free. And Luminary is the network or the artist for this particular podcast that they're demonstrating, the Midnight Miracle. 
And underneath that button, it says 35 shows, seven days free, then $5.99 a month. That could be really interesting. So you could have your own, I hate this term, but you could have your own Netflix of podcasting inside of Apple Podcasts. That could be huge for the industry as a whole. Maybe not for us individual podcasters, but still, it's really interesting. And Luminary is available on Android too. So you that's one way you could be available across platforms. Well, yeah, if, if you were partnering with Luminary, certainly, yeah, you could be in both of those. And that does also demonstrate that for any provider, for a podcast provider, they could have subscription options on other platforms that aren't tied in with Apple Podcasts. But what I really want to see, and I think we will see probably this year, this calendar year, is Apple Podcasts on Android. That might not be until iOS 15 comes out that we would see that. But I think we'll see that this year. If not, then probably early next year. Well, if they're doing what I hope they're doing, I don't know that uh, Android devices will be too receptive to hosting that app. I don't know, because a lot of consumers get frustrated when they hear, you know, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, do this on Apple Podcasts, and Android users are left with, well, wait, I don't have Apple Podcasts. How do I do that on my Android phone? I think that will be something eventually. But Jennifer, what were you saying? Well, I was just going to say, if you head on over to Luminary Podcasts, uh, they've got their newsroom there as well. And their latest press release is their new subscription channel on Apple Podcasts okay. launching in May. Okay. So it's right there. And they give a little bit more information around that. Yeah. So that presents a good model that other similar networks could provide instead of trying to build their own Netflix for podcasting, they could provide their own premium channel inside of Apple Podcasts. And that also makes it easier for someone to decide, yes, I want to subscribe to this bulk, like, you know, a batch or a bulk discount of podcasts that are all in a single channel instead of multiple channels. So I, I think then going back to my earlier concern, I think that this shows that Apple is not going to let you charge for someone else's podcast in your own channel, uh, only the podcast that you create inside of your own Podcast Connect account. Nathan, what's on your mind? Yeah. Yeah, I think the channel aspect is like the core of what is going to get sold here. Individual podcasters trying to, you know, sell a $5 subscription are, you know, are going to have a hard time unless they can really deliver the value. But the larger the network is, the more bundle economics can come into play. The fact that the the lead and their screenshot is like first screenshot is The Athletic and second is Luminary, I think is really telling in that sense. Um, what I'm so curious about and that we're going to have to wait to see how it plays out is does The Athletic get to bring their current subscribers? Does Luminary get to bring their current subscribers over? Or do those people have to you know, pay twice? They're already paying to read The Athletic on their website, and they used to just basically be able to access The Athletic Podcasts on the web, not in any dedicated podcast player. They're going to be available in Apple Podcasts now, but how tight is Apple going to be about you know, owning that customer relationship and um, letting those brands you know, like have subscriptions that cross over between multiple platforms between Apple Podcasts and their own branded website and stuff like that. Yeah. At least on the Apple side, there might be a way to move that over, or maybe it's just not worth the effort because Luminary has an app on Apple Podcasts. Maybe there will be some way that you can restore your purchase into Apple Podcasts. Now, that would be very interesting. That could be something that Apple might build in so that you could migrate your subscription over easily, but we'll see. Well, I really wish I could stick around and continue chatting about this. Thank you, everyone, for participating. There's still a lot more to cover with this and a lot more to think about with this change for Apple Podcasts and other things coming. I mean, we didn't even talk about Apple's new hardware. Guess what? It's faster. The M1 chip, they hired Oprah with the M1 chip. You get an M1 and you get an M1 and you get an M1. The new iMac, 24-inch iMac, is faster because it includes the M1 chip, the same chip as the MacBook Pro with the M1 chip and the iPad. Uh, the uh, Well, the iPad now has the M1 chip too. So your iPad's going to be able to perform things much faster now too, an iPad Pro. And the 24-inch iMac is colorful. But for podcasters, here's the most exciting things. It's quiet. They said for most normal operations, the new iMac, 24-inch iMac with the M1 chip is under 10 decibels, which makes it almost imperceivable to the human ear and also probably 
completely silent to your podcast microphone. So I think that could be fantastic for podcasters. And I've seen some fantastic performance results and tests on the M1 MacBook and MacBook Pro, where they've shown that here the battery life is fantastic, the performance is fantastic, and they've also shown things where uh, they've compared it to a MacBook Pro and shown that here this same process on the MacBook Pro is draining all this battery power, revving the fans up, making it louder. But on the new MacBook Pro with the M1, it's much quieter. And so I think that that could also be beneficial to podcasters if you like podcasting with a Mac, the new iMac. And certainly they're going to bring the same technology to other Macs as well as they're going to roll this out to all of their Macs and replacing the Intel chips. So that could be exciting to see how you could get great performance with something that's very portable or something that's quiet, which is a big deal for podcasters and more and more software supporting the M1 system. And even Parallels recently announced that you can now run Windows on an M1 Mac. And that's even before Microsoft has made Windows work on the whole architecture that's behind the M1 processors. A lot of cool things. It's funny that we've, uh, was it's been about an hour now that we've been talking about something <laughs> that they didn't even spend two minutes to talk about in the presentation, but a lot of really interesting stuff coming. And it will be exciting to see. Now, these were all initial thoughts, so we could have gotten some stuff wrong. If you're watching the replay of this or listening to this later, feel free to comment with any corrections or further observations. And I might be discussing this again in further live streams or hangouts or anything like that. But thank you very much for listening. Make sure you go over to theaudacitytopodcast.com to follow the podcast i'll probably never well i don't i won't say never but and you could subscribe and other apps that use that term i'm daniel j lewis from the audacitypodcast.com now that i've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools it's time for you to go launch and improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success thanks for listening mm-hmm.